Chapters 28 to 34 of Book 5 of History of Animals by Aristotle. Translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 28 Grasshoppers or locusts copulate in the same way as other insects, that is to say, with the lesser covering the larger for the male is smaller than the female. The females first insert the hollow tube which they have at their tails in the ground, and then lay their eggs, and the male, by the way, is not furnished with this tube. The females lay their eggs all in a lump together, and in one spot, so that the entire lump of eggs resembles a honeycomb. After they have laid their eggs, the eggs assume the shape of oval grubs that are enveloped by a sort of thin clay, like a membrane. In this membrane-like formation they grow on to maturity. The larva is so soft that it collapses at a touch. The larva is not placed on the surface of the ground, but a little beneath the surface, and, when it reaches maturity, it comes out of its clayey investiture in the shape of a little black grasshopper, by and by. The skin, integument, strips off, and it grows larger and larger. The grasshopper lays its eggs at the close of summer, and dies after laying them. The fact is that, at the time of laying the eggs, grubs are engendered in the region of the mother grasshopper's neck, and the male grasshoppers die about the same time. In springtime they come out of the ground, and, by the way, no grasshoppers are found in mountainous land, or in poor land, but only in flat and loamy land, for the fact is they lay their eggs in cracks of the soil. During the winter their eggs remain in the ground, and with the coming of summer the last year's larva develops into the perfect grasshopper. Chapter 29 The Telebi, or locusts, lay their eggs and die in like manner after laying them. Their eggs are subject to destruction by the autumn rains, when the rains are unusually heavy. But in seasons of drought the locusts are exceedingly numerous, from the absence of any destructive cause, since their destruction seems then to be a matter of accident and to depend on luck. Chapter 30. Of the cicada there are two kinds, one small in size, the first to come, and the last to disappear, the other large, the singing one, that comes last and first disappears. Both in the small and the large species some are divided at the waist, to wit, the singing ones, and some are undivided, and these latter have no song. The large and singing cicada is by some designated the chirper, and the small cicada the tedigonium or cicadelle. And, by the way, such of the tedigonia as are divided at the waist can sing just a little. The cicada is not found where there are no trees, and this accounts for the fact that in the district surrounding the city of Cyrene it is not found at all in the plain country but is found in great numbers in the neighborhood of the city, 
and especially where olive trees are growing, for an olive grove is not thickly shaded, and the cicada is not found in cold places, and consequently is not found in any grove that keeps out the sunlight. The large and the small cicada copulate alike, belly to belly. The male discharges sperm into the female, as is the case with insects in general, and the female cicada has a cleft generative organ, and it is the female into which the male discharges the sperm. They lay their eggs in fallow lands, boring a hole with the pointed organ they carry in the rear, as do the locusts likewise. For the locust lays its eggs in untilled lands, and this fact may account for their numbers in the territory adjacent to the city of Cyrene. The cicadae also lay their eggs in the canes on which husbandmen prop vines, perforating the canes, and also in the stalks of the squill. This brood runs into the ground, and they are most numerous in rainy weather. The grub, on attaining full size in the ground, becomes a tetigometra, or nymph, and the creature is sweetest to the taste at this stage before the husk is broken. When the summer solstice comes, the creature issues from the husk at night-time, and in a moment, as the husk breaks, the larva becomes the perfect cicada. The creature also at once turns black in color and harder and larger, and takes to singing. In both species, the larger and the smaller, it is the male that sings and the female that is unvocal. At first, the males are the sweeter eating, but after copulation the females, as they are full then of white eggs. If you make a sudden noise, as they are flying overhead, they let drop something like water. Country people, in regard to this, say that they are avoiding urine, yet est that they have an excrement, and that they feed upon dew. If you present your finger to a cicada, and bend back the tip of it, and then extend it again, it will endure the presentation more quietly than if you were to keep your finger outstretched altogether, and it will set to climbing your finger, for the creature is so weak-sighted that it will take to climbing your finger as though that were a moving leaf. Chapter 31 Of insects that are not carnivorous, but that live on the juices of living flesh, such as lice and fleas and bugs, all, without exception, generate what are called nits, and these nits generate nothing. Of these insects the flea is generated out of the slightest amount of putrefying matter, for wherever there is any dry excrement a flea is sure to be found. Bugs are generated from the moisture of living animals, as it dries up outside their bodies. Lice are generated out of the flesh of animals. When lice are coming there is a kind of small eruption visible, unaccompanied by any discharge of purulent matter, and if you prick an animal when in this condition at the spot of eruption, the lice jump out. In some men the appearance of lice is a disease, in cases where the body is surcharged with moisture, and indeed men have been known to succumb to this louse disease, as Alcman the poet and the Syrian Pherecides are said to have done. Moreover, 
in certain diseases, lice appear in great abundance. There is also a species of louse called the wild louse, and this is harder than the ordinary louse, and there is exceptional difficulty in getting the skin rid of it. Boys' hands are apt to be lousy, but men's in less degree, and women are more subject to lice than men. But whenever people are troubled with lousy heads, they are less than ordinarily troubled with headache. And lice are generated in other animals than man, for birds are infested with them, and pheasants, unless they clean themselves in the dust, are actually destroyed by them. All other winged animals that are furnished with feathers are similarly infested, and all hair-coated creatures also, with the single exception of the ass, which is infested neither with lice nor with ticks. Cattle suffer both from lice and from ticks. Sheep and goats breed ticks, but do not breed lice. Pigs breed lice, large and hard. In dogs are found the flea, peculiar to the animal, the conoroistes. In all animals that are subject to lice, the latter originate from the animals themselves. Moreover, in animals that bathe at all, lice are more than usually abundant when they change the water in which they bathe. In the sea, lice are found on fishes, but they are generated not out of the fish, but out of slime, and they resemble multipedal wood lice, only that their tail is flat. Sea lice are uniform in shape and universal in locality, and are particularly numerous on the body of the red mullet. And all these insects are multipedal and devoid of blood. The parasite that feeds on the tunny is found in the region of the fins. It resembles a scorpion, and is about the size of a spider. In the seas between Cyrene and Egypt there is a fish that attends on the dolphin, which is called the dolphin's louse. This fish gets exceedingly fat from enjoying an abundance of food, while the dolphin is out in pursuit of its prey. Chapter 32 Other animalcules besides these are generated, as we have already remarked, some in wool, or in articles made of wool, as the cess or clothes moth. And these animalcules come in greater numbers if the woolen substances are dusty, and they come in especially large numbers if a spider be shut up in the cloth or wool, for the creature drinks up any moisture that may be there, and dries up the woolen substance. This grub is found also in men's clothes. A creature is also found in wax, long laid by, just as in wood, and it is the smallest of animalcules, and is white in color, and is designated the acary or mite. In books also other animalcules are found, some resembling the grubs found in garments, and some resembling tailless scorpions, but very small. As a general rule, we may state that such animalcules are found in practically anything, both in dry things that are becoming moist and in moist things that are drying, provided they contain the conditions of life. There is a grub entitled the faggot-bearer, as strange a creature as is known. Its head projects outside its shell, mottled in color, and its feet are near the end or apex, 
as is the case with grubs in general. But the rest of its body is cased in a tunic, as it were of spider's web, and there are little dry twigs about it, that look as though they had stuck by accident to the creature as it went walking about. But these twig-like formations are naturally connected with the tunic, for just as the shell is with the body of the snail, so is the whole superstructure with our grub, and they do not drop off, but can only be torn off, as though they were all of a piece with him, and the removal of the tunic is as fatal to this grub as the removal of the shell would be to the snail. In course of time this grub becomes a chrysalis, as is the case with the silkworm, and lives in a motionless condition. But as yet it is not known into what winged condition it is transformed. The fruit of the wild fig contains the psen, or fig wasp. This creature is a grub at first, but in due time the husk peels off, and the psen leaves the husk behind it and flies away, and enters into the fruit of the fig tree through its orifice, and causes the fruit not to drop off. And with a view to this phenomenon, country folk are in the habit of tying wild figs on to fig trees, and of planting wild fig trees near domesticated ones. Chapter 33 in the case of animals that are quadrupeds and red-blooded and oviparous, generation takes place in the spring, but copulation does not take place in an uniform season. In some cases it takes place in the spring, in others in summer-time, and in others in the autumn, according as the subsequent season may be favorable for the young. The tortoise lays eggs with a hard shell, and of two colors within, like birds' eggs, and, after laying them, buries them in the ground, and treads the ground hard over them. It then broods over the eggs on the surface of the ground, and hatches the eggs the next year. The hemis, or freshwater tortoise, leaves the water and lays its eggs. It digs a hole of a cask-like shape, and deposits therein the eggs. After rather less than thirty days it digs the eggs up again, and hatches them with great rapidity, and leads its young at once off to the water. The sea turtle lays on the ground eggs, just like the eggs of domesticated birds, buries the eggs in the ground, and broods over them in the night-time. It lays a very great number of eggs, amounting at times to one hundred. Lizards and crocodiles, terrestrial and fluvial, lay eggs on land. The eggs of lizards hatch spontaneously on land, for the lizard does not live on into the next year. In fact, the life of the animal is said not to exceed six months. The river crocodile lays a number of eggs, sixty at the most, white in color, and broods over them for sixty days. For, by the way, the creature is very long-lived, and the disproportion is more marked in this animal than in any other between the smallness of the original egg and the huge size of the full-grown animal. For the egg is not larger than that of the goose, and the young crocodile is small, answering to the egg in size, but the full-grown animal attains the length of twenty-six feet. In fact, it is actually stated that the animal goes on growing to the end of its days. Chapter 34 With regard to serpents or snakes, 
the viper is externally viviparous, having been previously oviparous internally. The egg, as with the egg of fishes, is uniform in color and soft-skinned. The young serpent grows on the surface of the egg, and, like the young of fishes, has no shell-like envelopment. The young of the viper is born inside a membrane that bursts from off the young creature in three days, and at times the young viper eats its way out from the inside of the egg. The mother viper brings forth all its young in one day, twenty in number, and one at a time. The other serpents are externally oviparous, and their eggs are strung on to one another like a lady's necklace. After the dam has laid her eggs in the ground, she broods over them, and hatches the eggs in the following year. End of chapter 34 and end of book 5